This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Lucas Systems, a provider of innovative warehouse optimization and voice solutions for hundreds of distribution centers. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. Can a busy, productivity-obsessed warehouse find room for empathy? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The stereotype of the modern-day distribution center is that of a massive facility with workers being driven at a relentless pace, subjected to second-by-second monitoring of their every move. But at a time when warehouses are having trouble finding and retaining staff, that kind of environment isn't exactly conducive to ensuring a steady labor force. Even better pay won't entice a worker to stay in a job where they're treated like robots, or for that matter, threatened with being replaced by one. On today's episode, we explore another strategy for attracting and hanging on to warehouse labor, empathy. My guest is Kyle Franklin, a solution consultant with Lucas Systems. He tells us how organizations that display true interest in their workers and provide them with an environment that's both physically and mentally healthy are in the best position to keep those workers happy while ensuring their maximum productivity. Here's my conversation with Kyle Franklin. Kyle Franklin, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Kyle, when we're talking about the issue of hiring and training and retaining and keeping good talent in the warehouse and distribution space these days, I would just assume that solution number one, if not the only solution, is simply to pay people more. Is that not the case? And if not, what else does it take? Um, while while pay is nice, there are other solutions that you can do in addition to or in lieu of uh, straight pay increases. One I want to talk about today is just technology. Technology and how you can use that to help employees flourish and stay in the space, stay in the warehouse and help improve their day-to-day lives in the warehouse as well. Let's start with that, Kyle. The technology can be such yep. a broad and vague term. And when you talk about technology yep. and automation in a, in a distribution center space, what you're generally doing is causing fear in the workers saying, oh, well, you're simply replacing me. That's what automation's all about in a DC, right? So what specific <laughs> types of automation and technology are you talking about that can actually enable a better work experience for the humans in this space. Yeah, so when trying to search out those types of automation or just starting a project, one strategy I preach in doing so is starting that process with empathy and thinking about the warehouse user first, putting yourself in their shoes and using that as a guide to automation. The fear you mentioned is an extremely common one, right? But a lot of automation solutions don't necessarily replace labor users or workers. They enhance or help or alleviate a burdensome task. So starting with empathy will help you kind of go down the road 
of finding a useful solution. One example, look around your warehouse look or your DC and look at what tasks are tedious or hard to complete or just plain boring, right? And using that to find opportunities to automate. And you'll, you'll find that you'll end up solving a lot of woes and, and problems in your warehouse because you've gotten rid of tasks that no one else wants to do. Well, by definition, uh, what goes on in the D.C. is highly repetitive. It seems like a lot of processes are, thereby making them subject to automation. So where does that leave the person if those boring, repetitive tasks are taken over by robots or other types of machines? What is left for a person to do in a, in such a space? A lot of D.C. tasks can be repetitive, but there is definitely opportunities, uh, low-hanging fruit, things that are uh, extremely repetitive or, or don't fully take advantage of humans, the smarts and geniuses that we are, right? Like, for instance, building boxes, right? Some warehouses have one, usually a temp worker, sitting in the corner, uh, just building cartons all day long. We solved this problem already with various carton building machines. One particular instance we've integrated with in the past was a, a, a pack size machine, which uh, automatically builds cartons to size for uh, a specific order. So you, there's a lot of benefits to machines like that, starting with looking at getting that super repetitive, boring task out of a person's hands and letting them do more value-added tasks like picking, packing, troubleshooting, things like that. And then you get all of the financial benefits where you're shipping less air, you're walking around and pa picking with less air, and you get all kind of other benefits and optimizations from picking into the right box. So that's a very simple example. You still got to pick products and, and put it in a box and, and ship it out the door, but this, do we really need someone sitting in the corner building boxes all day? How important is it to involve human workers in the adoption and implementation stages of technology to clue them in on what's going on as opposed to have it be this mysterious thing where they don't know what's coming in, what it's going to do, when it's going to be implemented, and what it's going to mean for them. It's absolutely paramount. The single best strategy for an effective project and solution. That's a couple reasons. One, mainly, you start bringing them in to reduce that fear, right? To reduce that I'm being replaced, that, that surprise when a solution shows up and all of a sudden a user has to do it uh, or use it. Every time uh, Microsoft Word moves a button, you, you have people across the world complain because it just <laughs> happened to them, right? No one wants a, a software dropped into their lap that they suddenly have to use or, or significantly change, especially something that someone uses eight or more hours a day. So bringing them into that process early will help with change management. Almost more importantly than that is you're going to find, surprisingly so, things that differ from what the standard procedure is in a warehouse. Everywhere else I've ever been, you have a work instruction or a SOP that uh, workers are supposed to follow to a T. When you really start engaging them in this discovery and solution design process, you'll find a lot more exceptions than you thought to those processes. Mm -hmm. So the only way to suss those out is early. We've all been a part of implementations, whether on the vendor side or the actual uh, customer side, where at the last minute it's go live and all of a sudden the solution doesn't handle you know, all of these exception scenarios. Well, sometimes we do it like this and sometimes we do it like this and sometimes Phil does it. You can't suss those out unless you engage workers in all levels from the bottom up in the process and help problem solve for those early. 
Yeah, and not to mention the differing levels of operation and tasks that take place over the course of a year, depending on the seasonal demand and stuff like that. You have to take that into mm-hmm. account as well. That's always changing. Absolutely, yeah. And what what you do you do different things when you have a building full of people versus when you're slower and you don't. You do things differently depending on volumes. Like you like you said, they could fluctuate seasonally. Yeah, a lot of considerations and variables that humans deal with a lot better typically than necessarily software does out of the box. Okay, so automation that augments, automation that enhances the human task is much more preferable and welcome. I, I'm guessing that automation that simply replaces the, what, what people are doing. But if we get beyond that, to talk more about the human level here, this idea of engaging workers in problem solving, of process and productivity challenges, and actually bringing them into that process, tell me more about how that can be done. One process we employ that I really love is when we we do a design workshop at a customer, we obviously we're going to have the IT staff involved, we're going to have the bosses, we're going to have the supervisors, but we spend a lot of time with the pickers, the packers, and then we bring them into the workshop and they can, like I said before, suss out some of those variances, as well as show you creative ways to solve problems because people are really creative and people are really smart and they do the job eight hours a day, so they've figured out how to optimize for themselves oftentimes. So you get a really experienced picker. They can help you share some of the knowledge that they've achieved and help put that into the system. What mm-hmm. I think of as a design principle is, say, that when we're talking about pickers, right, taking the best things that they've discovered and then trying to democratize those benefits and those shortcuts to everyone else so that the temporary worker who comes off the street can share in some of that knowledge. So we can only get that and put that into the system often when we have them involved with that process. So there's a way then of formalizing worker input, welcoming worker instead of just kind of on a spot basis, well, we need it here, we need it there. Can you set up systems whereby workers feel that they are constantly being urged and and welcome to offer their input on various systems and, and activities within the facility? Yeah, it it definitely helps when you do it early in the solution design, but you can continually improve solution software, warehouses by simple versions, suggestion boxes. We sometimes solicit user feedback as far as enhancements and upgrades to the system. Um, We try to get the voice of the warehouse worker, right? And we try to pull that into our analysis. You can do things like user score feedback or those kind of metrics, like MPS metrics, to try to pull in that feedback. So if you have a SaaS solution that's web-based, you can ask pop-ups like, how are you liking the system today? Or rate system on one to five. Things like that can help you do metrics to make sure your, your solutions still align with that workforce, as well as you can tell when training and making sure that people still using all the features that you spend so much time implementing, making sure that those are being used and utilized, that people know about them will often lead to newer features that you need, or sometimes you, it'll expose training deficits as well. To what extent can you individualize the processes, the workflows, the systems that take place within a facility in line with different levels of expertise, different talents of the various workers? Is there a way to do that as opposed to just standardizing everything, which would seem like the easiest way to go? Right. Absolutely. And that's another design principle that we use around here. You just realize, especially in our uh, line of work, we often deal with more variable workforce, right? We're going to have a higher number of temp users in a normal office building. You're going to have higher turnover generally due to the nature of the work and and the people who do it. So 
keeping those new employees in mind, the temporary workers, the seasonal employees, when the ramp up, keeping those in mind along with the veterans who are there day in and day out and maybe have been there 10, 20 years is hard to do. But we, we try to develop scalable solutions, right? So if I have a workflow on a RF gun or a, a voice-based device or something, do I have different steps or, or, or slightly streamlined steps for an experienced person versus a new one? If I have auditing steps in my process, QC check, can I increase the level or decrease the level of that percentage of audit based on the user experience? I can add in extra verifications uh, along the way. But really what you want to design is a scalable solution, one that works just as well for the new user off the street as it does for the expert in order to get the, get the job done. Changing dialogue, so in a voice-based system, having diff, slightly different streamlined dialogue, spinning up or speeding down, just really trying to dial in the right experience. Again, that comes from a user experience perspective, but really all user experience is built off of empathy and putting yourself in, in, in that shoe. Worker retention is a huge issue in logistics and distribution centers these days, especially with younger generations of workers who do not spend as much time in single jobs, who are more likely to move from job to job more frequently than than older workers. And, of course, everything we're talking about today would lead to retaining workers because you create a more satisfying job environment. But what I'm wondering is the nature of a DC and a warehouse, is it such that there are indeed opportunities for advancement to create more interesting jobs as you're there longer, training that will move you up a ladder within a facility like that? Is that a possibility for a worker in these spaces? Absolutely. There's a lot of opportunities there. We talked earlier about trying to automate the really simple stuff. So as you do that, you need less people doing the really simple stuff. So you can move to the more complex problems. You can move to the value-added services, your embroideries, your labeling, your certain receipt processes. So you can move people up through those things that are more creative, your problem-solving, your inventory, QC, those kind of things that require some higher level analysis thought, and you can move people up that way. One great example of a customer of ours, what they do is they spin up new DCs often, and they have a select squad of or flex squad, really, of pickers who they will rotate around the, the country to new DCs or DCs that are struggling to find talent to get them up and running. And that gives them, one, it gives them a chance to travel and move, which isn't super typical of traditional warehouse work. But more importantly, it helps them like share the knowledge and help train and be responsible and own um, training and learning for other DCs. So you routinely, they are moving 10, 20, 30 workers at a time to different DCs selected from a pool. So it's not on one training group. And that really just helps share the knowledge and, and kind of, like I said earlier, democratize some of that learning across a DC network. So that, that's one really good example that I, I liked in the past. But yeah, otherwise, just try to think of putting people in, in more positions where they can use their creative thought and their problem solving, whether it's tricky orders, tricky customers, auditing things, things like that. The public image of a warehouse today, especially it's million square feet or more, not entirely undeserved, is that of an environment where workers are monitored every single second they're in the facility. How long it takes to do this, that, how long the break is, when they can go to the bathroom, stuff like that. That may be a cliche, or I don't know if that's actually the case with a lot of warehouses, but how then do you 
achieve this level of empathy that you're talking about. At the same time, there's this necessity to measure worker productivity in a manner that does not make the worker feel that someone is literally looking over their shoulder every second they're on the job. How do you balance those two needs? It's a tough balance, let me say, and it definitely comes from culture more than anything. What I found is that if you engage users, engage workers in what metrics they will be a judge and assessed on, you have a much, much higher success rate than if you do some metric from on high that they had no input on. So coming back to what we're talking about in design and software, it's the same principle. You say, as a team, what metrics should we be assessed on? What level those metrics? And, and try to get some buy-in. And then as you want to improve, you can nudge those up. And hopefully with the approval and feedback of your leaders around the warehouse, but you really want to engage them in that process early as possible, just like with everything else. It is a tricky balance of no one wants Big Brother hanging over them, and that's totally understandable, and, and that's up to the D.C. to set the proper culture on that. Uh, another way we found that has improved worker productivity without being so Big Brothery is through like things like incentive pay and contests and other ways that you can incentivize workers to move move faster or pick faster or, or be more efficient. But you have to give them the tools and you have to have the tools to be able to properly assess that as well. Just the word empathy, Kyle, I think would cause some old line traditional warehouse manager to roll their eyes and say, you know, and say, you know, this is a facility where things have got to get done. So this sounds like what we're talking about requires a, a new skill set, kind of a soft skill set at the executive level, too. The awareness of the need for empathy in an environment where that hasn't necessarily been present. So are we seeing a new generation of executives who have this level of awareness and that can kind of filter down to the warehouse floor? I hope so. And in my experience, I have seen a lot of that. I have seen a lot of D.C. managers and supervisors who started in the trenches, as it were, and worked their way up. So they understand and they get it. And I've seen plenty of warehouses where if the trucks are late or there's a big, big order volume and not as many people are there, managers, D.C. supervisors, leaders – HR will come out into the floor and um and help and work. And so they have to know you're you're on the same team, right? And that's super important. And everybody's played sports. Most people have played some team sport and, and, and been a part of a team before. And those environments typically thrive more than the boss never leaves his office and he sits at his computer and just sends angry emails. I am seeing that that much more often. It does come from leadership and it does require some a particular set of skills for sure. Kyle, tell me a little bit about Lucas Systems. Where do you guys play in the market today? How are you helping your customers to survive and thrive in very difficult times? So uh, Lucas Systems is a software company. Uh, we specialize in making uh, mobile work execution solutions. So rather than starting from like an accounting or inventory management bias, uh, Lucas starts with execution and like what happens on the D.C. floor first. Uh, we're most known in the marketplace for our product, Jennifer, um, which is a voice-based picking and, and execution solution. But nowadays, we focus on pairing that proven excellence of Jennifer with AI-based technologies um, and other smarts to optimize workflows, uh, reduce travel, improve accuracy, and overall orchestrate work in the warehouse. Our main goal is to make the life of that everyday warehouse worker better, um, whether it's making their job easier, let them get home faster, get and pay more, whatever those things um, necessary to make sure that their life is improved and thus 
deliver benefits to the DC and the uh, larger organization. Sounds like we've come a long way from the original primitive voice picking systems, the initial automation that maybe we've seen in, in recent decades. This sounds like a whole new world of technology, is it not? Yeah, I, voice is, is a tried and true solution. Um, and while ours um, over the years has, has grown leaps and bounds through trying to leverage off-the-shelf uh, commercial speech recognition engines, along with our own developed uh, technology, we really have found a niche in using our warehouse expertise um, and our connection to the worker to uh, optimize their job. So we have mathematical algorithms trying to calculate travel and, and create uh, batches. We are um, co telling conveyors where to move products and m move totes in certain zones to help speed up those processes, cubing containers. Uh, we, yeah, we're doing, a, we're doing a lot of stuff over here. It's fascinating that we can hear talk here about the idea of technology leading to humanity. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yes. just strict automation of systems is a is a fine thing. It's uh, big benefits for companies, but at the same time, this idea of how it can actually lead to better empathy in the workplace, and, and that is your mission, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so recently, we conducted a, a large study of warehouse workers, and we found that nearly 75% of them are so, at least somewhat likely to take a pay cut to work at another company that has more tools and technology to help them do their job. That was the, the, probably the biggest surprise from our study. All the noise right now is like people are mercenaries, right? You pay another dollar, I'll walk across the street. But we found that people, you give them the tools, you give them the technology, and they're not checking off paper pick lists um, or, or clicking through 12 RS screens to complete um, a single task. Their day goes better and they're willing to uh, stay and, and, and work for that company. Kyle Franklin of Lucas Systems, I want to thank you so much for helping us to understand how technology can actually create an atmosphere of empathy in a distribution center environment and how it can actually augment and enhance the worker's experience there and telling us a little bit about Lucas Systems itself. Thanks very much for being with me today. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, appreciate you having me here. That was my conversation with Kyle Franklin of Lucas Systems, talking about the importance of empathy in the warehouse. We thank Lucas Systems for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time. <laughs>